Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. again to the mud bugs for playing us in this is the sneaky good podcast i'm your host poser and as always as my producer chris say hi chris hi chris say no one else gets the uh, george and gracie jokes <laughs> we're here to deliver humor that was still current in 1919 <laughs> i probably late night uh, television with my grandparents when i was a kid so uh, it was the best and joining with us today, it's going to be an all-Texas podcast. Joining us from Lubbock is Thomas Stevenson, a writer for the Anchor of Gold, the Vanderbilt blog on SB Nation. Hey, how you doing? Doing pretty good. How are you? Good, good. Uh, just also, enjoying sh- uh, Justin Verlander shutting down the Rangers right now. Uh, uh, we don't need to talk oh, about that. Oh, that's some trash talk hey, right hey, there. Hey, Alex Bregman hit one up to the train tracks a couple of minutes ago. So We were just talking about that, how that's kind of uh, uh, weird for us because we're both Ranger fans. We live in Dallas. So watching Alex Bregman kill your own team, it's kind of <laughs> like, you're like, yay, Alex Bregman. Uh, like, you know, if, you know, if, if it was it was 4-2 Rangers and his home run had made it, you know, was that second run, I wouldn't mind so much. But when it's, you know, 2 nothing and – I do kind of mind, so. Yeah, I mean, it. it's, well, and as a Vanderbilt fan, I'm always conflicted with that because it's like, as a Vanderbilt fan, I like that Dansby Swanson, Swanson was the number one pick in that draft. And as an Astros fan, I also like that Dansby Swanson was the number one <laughs> pick in that draft because, I mean, Bre- Bregman is the better player and that the, they got, I, that Diamondbacks or whoever it was that picked number one got that wrong. So that's my one, my one comment, pro, my one pro LSU comment of this podcast. And about baseball, that was very big from a Vanderbilt fan to you know speak up the LSU baseball program. Yeah, well, that, you know, it's it's funny because like I know as a Vanderbilt, a Vanderbilt alum, I'm supposed to love college baseball, but that is the one sport where the the pro game is just so much better. I I don't know what it is about the metal bats, but I, I just I think the ping is weird, even though they're not it's no longer the pure aluminum, but the ping is still Yeah and it's still too close to softball for your liking. Yeah, and I mean well when you watch Vanderbilt games, I mean after a while you get used to the whistler, but it's Ugh. still there. Oh God, I hate the whistler. I have to mute those games on television. I just can't <laughs> can't deal with that. I mean after after a while it's it's background noise and I mean it's kind of fun to troll Ole Miss fans with uh, I, yeah he has got to be the single worst fan of any program in existence and I don't mean that just like to badmouth Vanderbilt but god I hate the Vandy Whistler it's just irritating you can just I don't know how much interaction you've had with Vol Twitter but um, <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna um, 
If I have to make the choice, I mean, it's yeah, it, it is what it is. Well, how much are you enjoying the Vol season? Do you plan on like switching from the Vanderbilt game at halftime to check in on Florida, Tennessee? Well, yeah. I I don't know. I mean, I don't like Florida either. But it's neither we. Uh, so that's the right more, answer. <laughs> it's more fun when they're losing to like Georgia State, and you know, there's just there's there's no conflict there. They had lost to Chattanooga last week, or you know, when they play. UAB later this season. I mean, that's one where you could just, yeah, this is great. But the, when they're playing Florida, it's like, well, we don't really like them either. Somebody has to win. So. Yeah, it, it's sort of like for us when like Ole Miss plays A and M. Those you are the know, kind of games that you want ties to be brought back to college football. I, I guess right now I'd root for Ole Miss because it'd be funnier. If they won, but yeah, it's still Ole Miss. I mean, I can't root for Ole Miss. That's terrible. I guess LSU actually has a history with A and M because I'm still like, I don't care about them. I know they're an SEC school. They're on the schedule next year, and that's that's almost just like a random non-conference game on the schedule. Yeah, the thing about Texas A and M is that we were always rivals with Texas schools back in like the forties and the fifties. LSU played a lot of games against Rice. We played A&M every year. I think we played, we would alternate between like Baylor and Texas back in the day. So LSU has always kind of been the redheaded stepchild of the SEC. Cause like we barely played Vanderbilt. I think we went 40 years without playing Vanderbilt. Yeah. I, I look, I was just looking at that. We played 30 games against LSU all time. And to put that in context, uh, Vanderbilt's played 48 games against Tulane. So Tulane is almost more of a rival for us than LSU is. A&M, I think, is in, like, in our top 10 of teams played all time. Uh, they're still mad about the fact that we canceled a rivalry with game with them in um, the early 90s because Curly Hallman is terrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just – and look, you can't really trash talk us about that because – we know Curly Hallman's terrible. Like, we agree. <laughs> I mean, the funniest one is Watson Brown, his last year at Vanderbilt. They won one game, and it was against LSU. They went 1-10. Two weeks before that, they lost to SMU, which I think was fresh off the death penalty by, like, 40 points. And then they come back and beat LSU a couple weeks later. Uh, it just doesn't make sense. I don't think that was Curly, though, now that I think about it. Well, we are always happy to help. Yeah, I don't think that was Curly either, because that was 80s. That, I think, was... Uh, that was Archer. 1990. 1990? No, 90s? That's that's Curly. So, mm -hmm. 1990 was... Uh... Yeah, here's what I want to know. It looks like Vanderbilt played LSU once when Curly was there, and LSU won that game... By the score of 16 to 14. Oh, so uh, nice. That was in 1991. Um, yeah, let's see. The 1990 game, we lost 24-21. Let's see. I'm looking that up as well. Oh, yeah, that was Archer. All right. And that cost LSU a winning season. Mm. LSU, oh. LSU went 5-6 and six that year. So uh, I think you might have cost Mike Archer his job. Well, you jerks from Vanderbilt. Let's everybody get them. <laughs> you know what gets better is that the 1991 game, we couldn't beat Curly. That cost us a winning season. Our coach that year was 
one Jerry DiNardo. So, I mean, it was just like a whole, I guess that was a whole, you know, that was the entirety of 1990s LSU football rolled into one game right there. Yeah, and like, because LSU and Vanderbilt did not play from 1957 to 1976. Those are the bookmark games. Uh, that's have, We haven't played since 2010. Like, I... Yeah, it's it's hard to really muster up much hatred for Vanderbilt. I mean, just in general, anyway, Vanderbilt's well, sort of... I, mean, I kind of have a saying that I say, no one hates Vanderbilt, which is basically like saying hatred is actually a compliment. You know, because people hate Alabama because Alabama's good. Right. Vanderbilt is, you know, has always been Vanderbilt. It's, yeah. Once we get into baseball season, that changes a bit. But uh, Yeah, exactly. And, you know, <laughs> basketball for a while, you're good. On the other hand, basketball, last, oh God, don't, don't bring up basketball right, right now. Here. I mean, <laughs> I mean, that was, it. like last year it was like, thankfully baseball came in and saved the day because last year it was like, Oh, well, the football team made a bowl game, so that was good. But then the basketball team, I, I remember sitting there watching them, like, in the last game of the non-conference schedule. They were playing UNC Asheville, who was ranked 349th in Ken Palm, and they were, like, struggling with them. And I said, okay, if we play like this, we're going to go 0-18 in the SEC. And then that's exactly what happened. So. <sighs> rough yeah. time you know god you don't expect vanity to be bad at basketball normally you can find like a couple of nerdy shooters you know um well, that's guys what always can... counted on vanderbilt for right traditionally was they were the smart school they're, they're the stanford of the south that kind of brought our collective gpa up as a conference and they were good at basketball you know right behind kentucky that's kind of what we relied yeah. on vanderbilt yeah for. and and then, like, Bryce Drew came along and said, no, no, I'm going to bring in some five stars. And then one yeah, of them that... hurt, and then one of them just, I, from best I can tell, he just didn't care. Uh, he looked about as interested as Ben Simmons did when he was at LSU. Uh, and that was that. That's how you go 0-18. Also, uh, doesn't Vanderbilt have a national title in bowling while we talk about smart schools? They have two national titles. Oh, look at that. I, I shortchanged you. I'm sorry about that. Uh, and, and another one in women's tennis, and that is the extent of the national titles that Vanderbilt has won ever in anything. See, but uh, you, but ex five you, expect, state. you expect Vanderbilt to win in tennis. Vanderbilt, right. The right. bowling one is beautiful. I, I'm really uh, – <laughs> So here's the thing, like, I mean, obviously, like, we don't expect, we play in the Southland Conference in bowling, um, and, like, that's, like, we're competing with, like, SFA, and I can't remember if it's, like, the actual Southland Conference teams, but I know, like, Sam Houston State is playing there, but, like, those are, like, the powerhouses in bowling. So it's, like, you're not competing against, like, the you know, the LSUs of the world. <laughs> That's yeah. We, we, we have not devoted much resources to bowl. I, you know, I don't think we even, we have a bowling team, but it's, yeah. and this is something I kind of wanted to get at is like, what's it like to be a Vandy fan? Because like LSU fans, we always talk about the really, you know, we talk about the dark years and it's kind of like in hushed tones. I, I'm incredibly like guilty of this for us though. The bad years were like a 10 year period and they were bad, but 
everybody believed we're going to get out of it. And, you know, eventually we did. Vanderbilt, there's really, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. Like, it's a, a successful season is six and five. Way to not sugarcoat yeah. it there. And, 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 you know, I mean, like, yeah, that's pretty much, yeah. Like, I, so, I mean, I'm probably like most Vanderbilt fans in that, you know, you don't, you're not really a Vanderbilt fan unless you, I mean, there are some people who like grew up in Nashville and that's their team. That's always been their team. But then most of us, it's just like you're 18 or in my case, I mean, since I went to the law school, you're 22 and you go to Vanderbilt and that's how you kind of get on with the team. So it's like, I I did grow up in Tennessee. So like my awareness of Vanderbilt football goes back, goes back pretty far, but then like I wasn't really a fan until like 2005, but my first year on campus, like the weekend of the first football game or the first, excuse me, the ho- first home game. So our contracts professor is telling everybody in the class to, you know, go to the football game. And well, somebody who I think may have been from Connecticut or somewhere like that, somebody just pipes in and says, well, are, are we any good? And the professor just says, look, I've been here since 1988. We haven't had a winning season. So, yeah, I mean, it it literally is. It, honestly, it's probably kind of like being an Orioles fan now that I think about it. <laughs> hey, that's right. But, hey, no, like, but Orioles fans still believe that one day, one day we're coming back. And I don't know, like, I, I think what's it's kind of liberating to root for a team like Vanderbilt. I went to Baylor for law school, so I – I remember going to games with the tarp and this is pre RG three. So there was really no hope. It was just like, it was a way to kill an afternoon. You know, you'd go tailgating, you'd go to the George's tent, you'd go home, but there's something liberating about going to games when there's literally no pressure whatsoever to win. I mean, you want to win. I mean, clearly you're not just showing up to show up, but if you win, it's awesome. It's like, Oh my God. And if, if Vanderbilt beats LSU this weekend, Vanderbilt dines out on that win for 10 years. Yeah. I mean, kind of, yeah. Kind of not because it's like LSU and it's not like. Yeah, there's not as much hatred. You, yeah, you ever... it's not like if we, God, if we had beaten Tennessee in like the Peyton Manning years, we <laughs> probably if not have shut up about it for 20 years. <laughs> um, and I, I will say for some, for at least some of the fan base, that a lot of that changed with James Franklin when that was the light at the end of the tunnel, he won eight games in back-to-back season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then he went to Penn state and he left behind a trash roster for Derek Mason's first year. But I mean, for for some of the fans that actually changed the attitude. Cause when I was at Vanderbilt, which would have been like Oh six through 08 back then, it really was like, we don't expect to win. We're just out here to, you know, tailgate and have some fun. And then, like, Bobby Johnson went to the Music City Bowl one year, and that was just like, oh, my God, we actually are decent at football now. Um, and then it was right back to 2-10 and 10 for a couple of years, and then Franklin comes along. And, and Franklin, I mean, he – let's be honest, he got to – he got Derek Dooley era Tennessee. He got Will Muschamp era Florida. Uh, he got 
I mean, the tail end of Mark Richt at Georgia. Um, so he, I mean, he did luck out a little bit in that, you know, some of those teams that Vanderbilt doesn't normally beat were a little more beatable than they normally are. And then you just go right back to, you know, three and nine the year after he leaves. But now we, now we have a little bit more expectations and now, some of the fans are like, well, you know, Derek Mason's been here five years. He hasn't had a winning season, which technically, yeah, because he went six and six a couple of years and lost the bowl game. Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm, I mean, yeah, technically that's not, that's a losing season, but, you know. We're to a bowl game, so, like, it's still. Yeah, and it's also, but it's also just like, you know, you can't take six and six for granted here. Because we've definitely seen a lot worse than that. It's weird. I kind of feel like James Franklin, a coach like that, almost kind of ruins the experience of the program. Because, like, once again, with the Baylor, Art Bryles, aside from the obvious, kind of ruined Baylor because now there's expectations. You know, but they built also, this yeah. new new palace of a stadium. And all of a sudden, like, eight, nine wins. And everyone's like, oh, well, that's not that good. Like, Baylor won six games last year. And... If you're Baylor, you should kind of be like, hey, we won six games. You know, go oh, team. They actually they played Vanderbilt in the bowl game. So they won they won, so they seven. won seven. They won the yeah, seventh game, yeah. I, I can kind of see that too, but it is also just like like James Franklin got to he got the bigger job. It wasn't like he left like Art Bryles did under a cloud of scandal. Yeah, he he, he got sniffing around. I mean it was it was also just like if James Franklin had been breaking NCAA rules left and right, I think that might have kept yeah. things in line a little bit more. But now it's like, well, he went eight and four a couple of years and he wasn't even like cheating or anything. Um, now he did it with players that were recruited there by Bobby Johnson, who won 29 games in eight years. Nobody's really ever re- proven that you can recruit at Vanderbilt, though. You know, Franklin showed you could win there for a couple of years, but, I mean, if he had stayed there for five more years, who knows if it would have looked a lot like what what has happened since then. Because, I mean, I, I watched the 2014 team, and I just saw the players on. It's like, well, Nick Saban might be able to win five games with this team. Uh, I don't think Nick Saban would make a bowl game with this team. So the interesting thing about Vanderbilt is that you guys have had some talent. I I mean, it's not like at least talent to compete. I mean, like Zach Cunningham was one of the best linebackers in the conference. Um, I mean, Zach Stacy was a really good running back. Matthews was taken either in the first or second round. I mean, like there's been some guys who could, who came through that program. I mean, the problem for Vanderbilt is you don't have a lot of those guys. Like when, Right. When you have a guy like that, it stands out. Does Vanderbilt have a guy like that this year? Is there anyone you're like, oh, wow, this guy's really good? Yeah, there there are a few guys like that. There's Deshaun uh, Vaughn, um, averaged close to eight yards a carry last year. And this, this year, he's been kind of held in check the first couple of games. I think there are like three new starters on the offensive line and one of the starters from last year is also hasn't played this season yet. Derek Mason says he might be back this weekend. We'll see about that. 
Uh, that's Devin Cochran, who's supposed to be the starting left tackle. So Va- Vaughn is, I mean, if he were more, I think if he'd come out last year, he probably would have gone in the fourth round. If he were a bit more durable, he's a first round running back. If he could get like 20 to 25 carries a game, uh, he's a first rounder. Kalijah Lipscomb at receiver is from New Orleans. I don't believe unless you offered him. We uh, didn't, but Lipscomb can play. He's put up some pretty big numbers. He can play. Uh, Jared Pinkney at tight end. You know, again, another guy who's probably going to be playing on Sundays next year. Um, and then I, that's, I mean, after that, you're talking about like you might have you might have a few a couple of guys who down the road could develop into into something special. But I mean, that's that's always been the problem at Bandy is like you you can name like three guys who are pretty good, who are going to play in the NFL. And then once you get past that, it's like, well, maybe there's a defensive lineman or something. I don't know, but it's just the, the three guys on offense. And the problem is, is I'm not sure we have a quarterback. Um, That's a pretty big problem to have. Because Vanderbilt's reputation has always been, you know, Hey, they'll play you tough. If, you know, if you're a big boy school, you know, if you're one of the major powers, it's sort of like Vanderbilt's going to scare you. And then you're going to put away in the fourth quarter when depth went out. I remember when I was in school in the nineties, there was a joke that um, every year the SEC schedule didn't really get started until Vanderbilt almost beat Alabama. Like that was just a rite of passage. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Cause I mean, Back in the 90s, we still played Alabama every year, and it was always like in week one or week two. Yeah, and then, one of Vanderbilt, one of Alabama's permanent opponents was Vanderbilt. Yeah, and, and then that, they, then they took it off sometime in the early 2000s. And at this, right now, I'm kind of glad they're not a permanent opponent after what happened the last time we played Alabama which we don't really like to talk about. <laughs> we don't like to talk about the last time we played Alabama. So I get it. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, right, right. We both scored zero the last time we played Alabama. Just they didn't score 59 on you. And it felt like it. There was no difference. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the difference, the difference when we played the last time we played them was like, they put in their second string in the second half, but it's like, their second stream quarterback then was Tua. So that was that they might have actually gotten better when they put in the second string. Yeah, I remember yeah, going to school in ninety-three when LSU played Florida, they took out their starting quarterback and put up some worthless backup in there. What was his name? Danny Werfel. Yeah, it it didn't <laughs> go well. And we lost fifty eight to three. That that was an unpleasant day. Oh god. <laughs> That's a nice yeah, way to put it. Like I said, we were bad. Like, LSU had a period we were bad. It was just that we knew deep in our hearts that we weren't meant to be bad. It's just. Yeah, I mean, it's. You hired a coach from Vanderbilt who had never had a winning season. And after we botched the hire of a TCU coach who had never had a winning season, Pat Sullivan. (laughs) (laughs) Donardo was not the first choice. That that somehow makes this even worse. <laughs> it really uh, does. And honestly, Denard did a really good job at LSU. I'm, yeah, I mean, he he put 
LSU back on the map. He could recruit. He brought in a lot of talent. He got Kevin Falk, which I think is one of the most important recruits in LSU history. It's just that he got the team winning again and then couldn't sustain it. He got fired, but Saban was able to walk into a fully stocked roster and was able to win pretty much right away because he had so many good players that DiNardo had recruited. Well, you know, that was the funniest part of uh, about when Vanderbilt hired James Franklin. He was not Vanderbilt's first choice. Uh, Vanderbilt had Gus Malzahn hired, and then Auburn decided they wanted to pay him $3 million to be their offensive coordinator. And so Malzahn backs out. We go get Franklin, who was, I think he was Maryland's offensive coordinator at that point yeah that's right yeah yeah and he was their head coach in waiting and then they said no no we're gonna go hire randy edsel instead worked out really well for him. yeah worked out really well uh, that was, uh, and this is why maryland is bad at football there's a lot of reasons maryland's bad at football but yes hiring edsel is one of the very one of the more recent reasons they stink <laughs> at football yeah so other than that i mean i'm honestly I'll be thrilled if we cover the 24-point spread this Saturday. Uh, so, yeah, like, is that kind of how you see the game going? Just I can see I, I can see a scenario where Vanderbilt it keeps it kind of close. Like, I, I can't see them winning the game. I mean, I'm not supposed to. I'm not supposed to say that out loud because the last time I said it, I ended up uh, getting the. Anchor full Twitter account blocked by uh, <laughs> the star running back. Um, <laughs> we won't we won't rat you out. How about that? Yeah, he, that he, was, he would have to actually listen to the podcast. We won't put on there as advertising. <laughs> a anchor of gold picks against Vanderbilt will not be the headline. <laughs> they they I mean you know look we're the the line started at nineteen now it's twenty four. What does that tell you other than that? Some people are really confident LSU is going to cover 19, and I can't really argue with them. I think it might end up it might end up being one of those weird Vanderbilt 11 a.m. games where we're all familiar with it. We know yeah. the three days. I mean, the era of the three days are legendary for a reason, and Vanderbilt played in a lot of those games. That actually the first Vanderbilt game I went to as a law student in 2006 was a JP game. We went and set up the tailgate at 9 a.m. It's an interesting introduction to your new school when you're out there drinking at 9 a.m. and then you lose at a game-winning field goal that got blown down um, by a gust of wind and they lost that game. And this is like literally God's way of telling you, Welcome to being a Vanderbilt fan. You're going to yeah, play at 11 it's... in the morning and you're going to lose games on stuff like this. I I think I remember like 1990, our 1997 game, which LSU won 7-6, to six, that's the game where Cecil Collins got hurt. And if I remember correctly, LSU was supposed to blow Van, And it was the same kind of thing. You know, LSU is going to destroy Vanderbilt. You know, they've got this three-headed mom. You know, Kevin Falk's amazing. Rondo Mealy is going to be a pro. Cecil Collins is the second coming. And... You know, he broke his collarbone in that game. It was never the same. I think LSU had to score late to come back to win. Um, it's creepy that I know this many details about a game from 1997 against Vanderbilt, but it really stuck out because it was. It was one of those 11, 12. It was an early day kickoff. 
And just weird things happen at Vanderbilt. They haven't recently to LSU because we don't play that much. But right. it, it has happened. I, but I don't, like, don't talk to Georgia about playing Vanderbilt at 11 o'clock. Because like, that is the difference I've noticed with Georgia fans versus like Florida and Tennessee. Is Georgia fans have like they've they've messed around enough with Vanderbilt to know that like Vanderbilt can you know you might lose that game like it's it's gone back a bit since Kirby came along but they used to have this very real sense of dread about the Vanderbilt game whereas like it, it, this is kind of why I don't like Florida is because their fans just act like Oh, oh, there's never any excuse to lose to Vanderbilt. Like, even when Florida is coached by Will Muschamp and going four and eight, they're like, well, no. Even when that Chris was Leak was their quarterback. Like, there's there's certain times you're like, hey, I might have a question about our ability to win. And look, I look at Vanderbilt. They have a really good running back. They've got a really good receiver. They've got one of the best tight ends in the league. LSU's defense has been kind of sketchy the first three weeks. I mean, if it's a track meet, I think LSU wins. But if they can keep scoring, you know, in the 20s and uh, play some ball control offense, you know, Vanderbilt can be in a position for something weird to happen in the fourth quarter. Usually when when something weird happens in our games, it, it like goes against us. It's like just randomly getting called for targeting on a play that's be targeting probably not. Uh, there, I mean, don't ever, don't ever, just don't ever bring up a fi- the SEC officiating crews around Vanderbilt fans because they're just you're, me. you're talking to an LSU podcast. I don't think you're familiar with our reputation. <laughs> we we make billboards about this stuff. Uh, we're st- <laughs> we're mad about free Devin White. Um, I don't know if you're aware of the Texas A&M game from last year. We're oh. we're a little bitter. I just uh uh. Pretty much every Alabama game we've ever played, we there's a very long uh, ex- list of excuses about how every one of those games was so poorly officiated that we would have won had only the officials called it right. I, I mean, that's well, the L- the LSU prerogative. We 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 hate the officials. We we don't think God hates us, which I think <laughs> it seems like Vanderbilt. <laughs> you're making the case here that the football gods hate Vanderbilt, well, but LSU feels the SEC hates them. Uh, well, I mean, we got. We got penalized 13 times in our last game, and um, we were we were playing in a Big Ten stadium, but it was an SEC officiating crew, and you know we just had to laugh at the Purdue fans who thought like the SEC officials are gonna give Van. There are always some just like third quarter calls where they send it off to Birmingham for the review and. Oh man, if it goes to review, we are we are so hosed when it goes to review. Like, oh my god. Well, you know, we can't have Florida taking a loss to Vanderbilt in the middle of the playoff push. And it, it just gets a little see and see you nail the point is I think this is the LSU gripe right here. You're right. Like I feel that most conference refs aren't so much incompetent. They're a little bit evil and they know where their bread is buttered. So like if like the big 12 needs a call to go, you know, Oklahoma's way in the big 12 championship game last year to make sure that they can keep playoff hopes alive. Voila, big 12 refs come through for Oklahoma. 
you know, the rest come through for Alabama. You know, they come through for, well, normally USC and the Pac-12. LSU's gripe is we think we should be on the side of the ledger that gets those corrupt calls in our favor, and we don't. We need more corrupt calls. Well, I mean, uh, has corruption ever been a problem in Louisiana? (laughs) That's what we're good at. You think think that'd be our thing, man? That would be their thing. Yeah, like... Like famously, LSU played a game against Vanderbilt because of corruption. You know where we uh, bribed the uh, railroad industries to give uh, everybody a six dollar fare, because if not, uh, Huey Long was going to raise the taxes on all the railroad bridges. You so yeah, we. You would have thought that at some point, some there was that insistence way back when that we're not going to put SEC headquarters in Atlanta, which from a logistical standpoint made sense, right? It, it's right. the biggest city in in the South. It's or one of the biggest cities in the South, but it's got the biggest airport in the South. It, it makes logistical sense to put SEC headquarters there. But no, no, we put them in Birmingham, and I always kind of thought, did we not give them enough? Did no one in Louisiana offer them enough money to put it in New Orleans? Because New Orleans seems like the perfect place for SEC headquarters to be. Yeah, I mean, New Orleans isn't really. I mean, it's, it, the problem with New Orleans is it's not centrally located for the sec because i mean you got kentucky up there and you know you got georgia and florida and now you got south carolina i mean it it would have made sense to put it in nashville i mean yeah that's pretty centrally located and i hate to say it memphis yeah memphis memphis would work too uh yeah because memphis is like it's I mean, I grew up in Memphis, and it's very split between, like, you get Tennessee fans, you get Ole Miss and Arkansas. You get Arkansas. Yeah, it's, like, right in the middle of everything. It's a – yeah, I agree with New Orleans. It's the whole thing that LSU feels – and this is actually, I think, legitimate. I'm kind of kidding about all the officiating stuff. But uh, we've always been on the periphery of the conference. And and there – it has been an element that LSU has gotten hosed over – when it comes to like power plays within the conference, because LSU through most of its history was content to play A&M and Rice every year. And, you know, forget about the rest of the SEC. And, you know, the, the, you know, the central power of the SEC is that Tennessee, Georgia, Auburn, Alabama, Florida access. It's, it's really been those five schools are kind of the engine of the SEC. And even if LSU is a better team at any point in time, it doesn't matter because we're not Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, or Auburn. Yeah, and I mean, Florida's kind of on, kind of on the periphery too, now that I think about it, because, I mean, they... But not know. politically. It's weird. Like, they're really central politically, but... Yeah, I agree. Geographically, they're off on the corner. But, well, and it's also like, like who are Florida's rivals? Well, Auburn and Georgia Florida, back in the day. The state, Miami. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they they hate Georgia, but then well, they have like that that rivalry with Tennessee that only started in like 1993 when they got stuck in the East together and they were playing for the title every year. It's kind of why Florida is LSU's permanent rival because yeah. neither of us had a real rival in the West. To be honest, LSU played Kentucky the most often of the Eastern teams. Well, and the, what's funny is like like L- Kentucky gets Mississippi State as, as their permanent rival from the West, and that's the one where it's just like you know we have that so the, the Tennessee thing every year, and I get that like that all Kentucky Mississippi State every year and. 
nobody cares if Kentucky plays Mississippi State every year. I, I mean, really, the only two permanent rivals that really matter, it's it's Alabama, Tennessee, and Georgia, Auburn. The rest of them can all pretty yeah. much go away. And it feels like the Excuse whole conference. Our, our like the, rival is Ole Miss. And, I mean, since I grew up in Memphis, I, I dislike Ole Miss more than than probably most Vanderbilt fans do, but that's another one that, I mean, nobody would, probably nobody would miss that game if they said no more permanent rivalries. Yeah, and so, what, A&M has South Carolina? It's just, if they just got rid of, I'd rather the conference went to nine games, but if they want to stay at eight games, get rid of permanent rivalries, and the years that Georgia and Auburn rotate off your schedule and Tennessee and Alabama rotate off each other's schedule, play it out of conference. It's This is not rocket science. Yeah. They're forcing everyone else to play a rivalry game when we don't have this rivalry. Though, totally admit, nine games with permanent rivals is far more logical. And Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and that's the thing whenever he gets on it, it's about the pod system. Which is, it's so funny that, like, the Missouri fans are the ones who are all about that. Because they're the ones who just don't give a crap about anybody in the conference. To them, everybody's the same. So, of course, they'd be the ones who were like, no, no, no. You get yeah. three teams that are on yeah. the schedule every year. And everybody else is just in a sh- shuffle. And I'm just like, I don't care about playing A&M. They're in the conference now, and I get that. But I don't care if we play them once every six years. Uh, What I would like is because if you had a nine game schedule, you could play, you know, you play your 16 other six teams in your division and then you have a one permanent rival and there's six other teams in the other division. And if you're playing two of them every year, that means you could play every team in the conference in three years. So if you are a star player and you come in and just play three years and leave as a junior, you would have played everyone in the conference. What a crazy concept. Right. And that's the way it should Mean- be. Meanwhile, LSU and Vanderbilt have not played since 2010. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, at some point I want to just go through and look at all the teams we've played more recently than we've played LSU. And it's, we've, I know we, pl- we played Notre Dame last year out of conference, but yeah, yeah I, I I guess I just get what the opposition because um, you know when even Saban is saying like I wish we would I don't think he said he wished we'd go to nine but it I mean he wants to play like ten it, ten power five teams every year and you know why can that I guess the easiest way to do that that is to go to nine and then play your out of conference game since we since they told us to. We had to have a Power Five team on the schedule every year. I'm just, you know, why are we scheduling? You know, why, why, why are we scheduling like Stanford in a couple of years? Um, if we have to yeah. play a Power Five, just, yeah. you know, why yeah. Rutgers counts? Yeah, right. If you're Vanderbilt, it does. And to answer <laughs> your question, looking at it, there are 32 teams that Vanderbilt has played more recently than LSU. And I'll just run through them real quick because uh, I'm just looking at uh, sports reference, but it's a there's going to be a lot of SEC teams that pop up, obviously. Here yeah, we go. Literally everybody else in the SEC. Yeah, here there. we go. Yeah. Georgia, Purdue, Arkansas, Baylor, Florida, Kentucky, Middle Tennessee State, Ole Miss, Missouri, Nevada, Notre Dame, South Carolina, Tennessee, Alabama, Kansas State, Western Kentucky, Auburn, Georgia Tech, 
NC State, Houston, A&M, UMass, Mississippi State, Old Dominion. That must have been a barn burner. Uh, Temple, uh, UAB, which briefly didn't have a football program. Wake Forest, Northwestern, Army, Cincinnati, UConn, and Eastern Michigan. All of the schools that Vanderbilt has played more recently than LSU. Not only have we played at literally everybody else in the SEC, we played Georgia Tech. Yeah. They have not been the SEC since 1964. It, yeah, it's just crazy. Yeah, it's just, and some of those are, you know, bowl games. And of course, you have your standard just graphic cone games like Eastern Michigan. No one begrudges anyone those games. But yeah, like it, it should not be this long since we've played. It, it's crazy. But back to like, I mean, who is the opposition to nine coming from? Is it like the, I, I mean, I have to think, is it like the ones that have, you know, their permanent ACC rival? It's got to be, it's, it's got to be coming from them. Like Georgia has a death march of a schedule. You know, they always have it. If you're Kentucky, you have to play Louisville every year out of conference. That's well, I mean, you know, that's, right now is not so bad. Florida uh, has to play Florida State every year. Now adds Miami sometimes. And then South Carolina, you got yeah, Clemson. playing Clemson. I, I, I think there's a lot of quiet opposition to it for that reason. Uh, they're not going to come out and say it. Hey, we don't want to play an extra game because we're already playing Clemson. No one wants to hear that, but that's probably the actual reason. I mean, in South Carolina, they get, you know, this year they got Bama from the West. So it's like you got Clemson and Bama in the same year. But then it's like they go out and in addition to that, they just go, you know, we're going to schedule North Carolina too, you know? So it's yeah. definitely not about like, they don't want it to be too difficult because you went out of your way to schedule another power five team out of conference. Didn't have to do that. If you're, if that's your real concern. And I think the other thing is, so I know has the nine game. Um, and I know, I think Texas Tech is this, this year. Cause they get, so, yeah, I, I noticed on their schedule they have – because they it's one of the years when they only get four home games on their conference schedule. They only play six home games, and I think that's really probably a lot of the opposition because there are some schools that, like, they always need – they always need to have seven. Yeah. They don't want to ever have six. And yeah. when you have a nine-game conference schedule, that's going to happen some years because, you know, you get – four conference games at home, but then you get five road games. And then if one of your out of conference games is a neutral site or a road game, then you only got six home games. And I think that's a really big deal for some. Absolutely agree. Yeah. But the funny thing is we don't make as much money off of home games anymore, but I do agree. That's a big factor is the other home game. Well, I mean, and it's not just, I mean, are you talking about the schools don't make as much money off home games? Cause I mean, it's not just the school itself. Yeah. But like, you know, you get the local business. Yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. It's the local businesses. Yeah. And yeah, you're, you're right about that. All right. Well, I think we've pretty much covered the game. Yeah. You know, LSU is yeah, we a big favorite. They, they probably have five you, minutes of actual talking about the football, game. Football. That's a, that you've now uh, understand the sneaky goodness. Um, <laughs> we normally do a like a little bit of a run around the SEC, pick a couple of games just to get general thoughts. And I'm kind of curious about what someone on the East thinks of these games. So I briefly asked you about Tennessee, Florida. So you, you hate both schools, and I do appreciate that. Uh, 
But do you have any read on that game? Is does Tennessee can they salvage their season? Uh, I, well, define salvage. A win over Florida. I I don't think they get Florida. I mean, Florida. I watched them against Kentucky last week, and I I did not. I did not come away impressed. It's never a good thing when you, when you lose your quarterback. Your offense looking your back. He has to come in because that's where you playing the right guy to start with. I, th- I I think Florida wins that game, but I don't think. I mean, the spread's like fourteen. I don't think they'll cover that. Right, I think so it'll be closer than you. Yeah. Yeah. And- and for us in the West, the, there actually is a huge game in the West, Auburn A&M. Our site is pretty committed to the Texas A&M is overrated bit, which means we're in the weird situation of thinking that Auburn uh, is supposed to win a game, and I can't root for Auburn <laughs> under any circumstances. But I was curious what someone who's actually neutral thought about uh, Auburn A&M, because I don't think you have the deep-seated hatreds towards either of those schools. Well, well, I mean, my my wife is a tech grad in A and M. Oh, yeah, they, they don't like each other. Uh, yeah, I don't know because I kind of think Auburn is overrated. Okay, that's fair. I think, like, I mean, they have a true freshman quarterback. You know, he made one good throw against Oregon, and that won him the game. God, who did they even play last week? I don't even remember. Last week, Last week was just, I mean, it was just such a crap week. Everybody was, you know, yeah. that's, that's when everybody played the the FCS teams on the schedule. Yeah, I played uh, with my uh, kids last week. On Saturday, I decided <laughs> to, you know, be a good dad. <laughs> we literally had the bye week last week. That was that, that game at Auburn, or is it in College it's Station? In, it's in College Station. And I think that I think A&M will get it. I think they'll, I think they'll beat Auburn. Not by much, but I think they'll win that game. And last, and maybe least, uh, Georgia's hosting Notre Dame. It's the CBS game. It's the reason why Alabama's upset, because you can't have uh, – CBS has exclusive uh, rights to the SEC, meaning no other game can be at night at the same time. Um, uh, that's not true, because Arkansas – Arkansas playing San Jose State, but no one's going to watch it. Like, I think it's – no, I think that ESPN can't. Yeah, ESPN can't televise. SEC, SEC network, can. network can. And God forbid we put Bama on the SEC network. Yeah, uh, so the question is, is uh, Georgia's a 14-point favorite. Um, they want to position themselves as a national title contender. And that pretty much means they have to blow out Notre Dame, or at least come close to that 14-point number. Do you think this is a Georgia team that can do that, or are they going to Georgia it a little earlier this year? So... I haven't seen Notre Dame this year, so I don't I don't know much about that side of it. I have seen Georgia. They beat us thirty to six, which we're not that good, but I, yeah, I, th- I think Georgia. Um, but th- I, I say that having not seen Notre Dame at all, so I don't. I am uninformed about that half of the game. All right, we can just you know. I understand as an SEC fan, no, Notre Dame sucks. They're overrated every year. Uh, obviously, clearly. I mean, you understand. Yeah. I don't know. Night games, Notre Dame is always a good primetime team. They, they seem to get up for big games, historically speaking. So I, I think Georgia's going to win because I think well, Georgia's really good. But I don't know, 14 is such a big number. I, I, I think Notre Dame can hang with that. If Notre, if Notre Dame is any good – 
they should be able to hang with Georgia, you know, this early in the season. We'll see. But then we we saw what Clemson did to them last year. Right. Uh, you know, that's the problem with Notre Dame is like every time they get a game that fans of SEC schools will actually watch, they just they just completely crap the bet like like they did against Clemson last year. Um, like they did about against Bama in what was it, twenty twelve? Um, yeah. To be fair about Clemson, they were awesome. <laughs> like, well, yeah, yeah, that's a given. I, I'll, I'll give Notre Dame uh, a pass for that one. Uh, Clemson was awesome last year. Yeah, and it wasn't even. I mean, twenty twelve. It was just like everybody was. Yeah, they're just going to get smoked by Bama. Like, everybody just knew that going in. Even though they were undefeated, they were just going to get destroyed. Uh, and then they did. Kind of yeah, it, 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 yeah, it played to form. Yeah. Somebody at some point needs to just come along and, you know, somebody needs to take down Bama, but uh, and then we're just going to get Georgia being the new Bama for for a decade. Well, we would love to take down and Bama. We're gonna yeah, hate, but we're going to end up hating that just as much. We're going to end up hating that. That would be peak LSU if we finally beat Bama, only to then still be second fiddle, only to Georgia. Now that that would that that would definitely be um, a, an ironic fate befitting LSU. With our luck, we're just going to beat Tennessee again, and then fire Pruitt, and they'll just be, that's going to be our fires next coaching stuff and we're gonna get Pruitt fired so we can get urban all right and I guess do we have any questions this week from the question bag we do have a couple questions all right which are sometimes football related (laughs) (laughs) all right so we do have one that's it's Fairly football related. Michael Lart wants to know how does LSU use anchors down in a negative way, like we used horns down against the Longhorns. I don't think Vandy has a hand sign. A. Yeah, and, we we do we do. Uh, what what is the um, hand? Okay. I don't is know if I, a big V. Okay, we're not going to turn a V down. That's that's just a. And also, once again, who picks on Vanderbilt? Like we're not going to horn. Tennessee, you know, we're, Tennessee does. And also, we're not going to what anchor up like if you go the other way around it doesn't make any sense if the anchor is up then the boat is you know floating away you know it's sailing so yeah no we're not gonna do that it's it's vanderbilt we have we, we kind of like vanderbilt like, there's no bad blood here we're not horns downing or anything like that yeah, yeah. we're not texas come on yeah i mean texas is truly loathsome <laughs> All right, Vinny Bartles wants to know, Rugby World Cup starts Friday. Who are you rooting for, besides the USA, who won't advance out of the pool? And are you going to watch any of it? Um, is it the Sevens or just regular rugby? Because if it's the Sevens, mm-hmm. I might watch some of it. Um, and if it is the Sevens, I'm rooting for Fiji, of course. Because why wouldn't you root for Fiji if you have the chance? I, 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 I don't know anything about rugby. Uh, neither do we (laughs) (laughs) I I would probably just go with South Africa because uh, one of my best friends is from South Africa so you know support my my homie there and I like the movie yeah (laughs) I would still have seen the movie but uh... (laughs) okay then we have one final question Um, 
It's from Crackles, so you can guess what kind of question it's going to be. A good one. <laughs> if you got put back in time 300 years without anything from the present, excluding your own personal knowledge, what would you do to prove to people you were from the future? Jeez. I don't know. I'd probably show them that I had all my teeth. <laughs> and they were straight, right? Or relatively so? Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, that would put you at 17, 19. Yeah, I think actually having all of my teeth and straight would actually be a pretty fairly convincing thing. You know, maybe show off your hands. You know, be like, hey, look, no calluses. Yeah. I think how profusely I'd be sweating <laughs> would, be, would be a dead giveaway. But, I, you know, like, I don't think I could go back and, like, invent the camera or anything like that. I don't know how that works. I'm a moron. I'm a lawyer. I don't have any practical skills. <laughs> well, and the, the caveat of no personal knowledge, like, that really does kind of hamstring you there because what what else are you drawing upon to prove you're from the future? If you have no, I thought audience. that's what he meant. I thought it was only your personal knowledge oh, and no personal knowledge. Oh, so you no world history knowledge of, and of that kind of thing. Yeah, but you don't. You can't show them like your clothes. You know, you'd have to have right. You know, seventeen, nineteen garb. You know, you you can't show them your cell phone. Yeah, which would, of course be they just go like what the hell is that seventeen nineteen. Yeah, so like I, I'm guessing you know depending on what you really did to try to prove to it. You know, if you if you try to do any kind of. Uh, you know, forecasting for them and then stuff starts to come true, you're just going to get burned at the stake anyway. Yeah, so. yeah, like how, and also how well do you know stuff that happens in 1720? Right. I mean, I, yeah, sure. In 1776, you know, they're going to write a Declaration of Independence. But, but everyone you're pay- talking to in 1719 is going to be dead by yeah, then, So Yeah, like give me 56 years right. and I, that'll pay off. Like just... I'm, what what do we think of like random stuff that's going to happen in seventeen twenty and yeah like I, I mean I guess yeah, the lesson like, here is jump on Wikipedia and learn as much as you can about what happened between seventeen twenty and seventeen thirty just in case just in case you have to and also they probably can't understand you anyway because you speak a form of English that isn't quite right yeah. well and here's here's the other thing is like are we assuming they're dropping us off in the same place no that's true too right yeah, well, yeah. yeah. up. Yeah, <laughs> like Europe, and like is, then we might not even. And if we drop me off in the same place, I mean, that's like, is, is there any? It would take. There? Yeah, it would take a while to meet a person. You, there would be no one to convince. Right. That would you know, be that. the colonies at that point. That would be like Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're we'd be in Mexico. We're in Dallas. We're screwed. You know. Mm-hmm. I would say something in English. They would be like, "Hey, you've invaded our territory," and then they kill me. That's how it would go. <laughs> So I think what we're learning here is that based upon location and the lack of personal knowledge and what we would have to draw on, we're pretty much dead no matter what. Yes, we will be as dead as Vanderbilt. (laughs) 